This is uh, Bill Farrell, guys. Uh, welcome to another episode of Rock Bottom to Recovery. We're, we're going live on Facebook. Our guest today is Stephen D. Daniels, and uh, he's Skyping in from Baltimore. And uh, Steve's going to talk about um, eh, the addictions that have affected his life, which are gambling, porn, sex, and food. Um, and it's kind of a unique story because, as you know, when we do Rock Bomb Recovery, we talk a lot about uh, substance use disorder. But uh, addiction works um, in many different ways. And uh, so this was very interesting. And uh, me and Steve went back and forth and we talked. And so we're going to be here today. So let's introduce Steve. Steve, can you hear me? I can. I can. Okay, there you are. So everybody's watching live, Steve. I don't know. you got to check your Facebook page, Steve, and see if it's, um, if it's running live on your thing. It did. It did. It looked like it was. I'm, I'm right, using cool. the same computer. So, yeah, I think we're good to go. Yeah. So uh, Steve is talking to us live from Baltimore. What um, what part of Baltimore are you? I'm right near Towson. Uh, I'm on the outskirts of the city in northeast, uh, about 15 minutes away from downtown. And that's where you grew up? No, I grew up. Uh, I'm a military brat. I grew up all and down the East Coast. Uh, when somebody asks where I'm from, I usually say North Carolina. But okay. now at my age, I've lived half of my life. And Maryland, so I've okay. been here longer now. So, what? Uh, your mother, father were in the military. Uh, both of them were actually, yeah. My, my, they both served in the U.S. Navy. Uh, my mom did six or seven years, and then she had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma and got medically discharged, but she's still alive today, made a full recovery. And my father served twenty years in the Navy. Wow. Okay. Congratulations. I am a former Marine myself. Hoorah! Thank you, sir. Um, as you know, a Department of the Navy. Yes, yep. Uh, we, as long as we beat Army every year, life is good. <laughs> We're good. So uh, congratulations to your, your parents on their uh, their service and stuff. So you did Thanks. a little bit of traveling and, um, you know, growing up and stuff, right? So tell us, uh, you, you are not um, – alcohol and drugs wasn't your addiction. Is that right, Steve? No, it, it really wasn't. Uh, part of uh, my addiction – you know, they it consumed uh, gambling, pornography, sex, uh, food, and uh, it, it definitely took a toll on my life and my marriage. And, um, you know, I, as of next week on the 13th, I'll be 18 months in recovery. Wow, that's excellent. So I, I think this is, it's, um, it's I, as we, you know, we were talking right before the podcast started. Um, I, I When I talk about uh, pornography, sex addiction, uh, even like food. I mean, we. I think society knows now there is a, a food addiction. But when it comes to pornography and sex, a lot of people are like, oh, man, come on. Everybody's addicted uh, mm-hmm. to sex and porn or whatever. Um, Correct. So before we jump into that, let's uh, let's talk about how did that get started? At what age? Like, did, did um, were you exposed um, to pornography, to sex, like, How's that go about? Because normally when we have people on, you know, people like, oh, at 13, I, I smoked a joint or I drank a beer or how did that uh, work for you? Well, I, I'm I'm 30 years old and, um, you know, I was a kid in the 90s and early 2000s. And so I grew up in the pop and the hip hop era. Yep. And so, you know, and in, in that era, you know, pop music was based on sexual uh, selling sex at the end of the day. Britney Spears' Hit Me Baby One More Time yeah. was her in a, in a schoolgirl outfit. Right. And so, you know, I'm all of 12, 13 years old, and that's what I think uh, beautiful women should be. That's how I think women should be. And so, you know, I remember watching MTV uh, and BET late night uncut videos at midnight and 1 a.m. Uh, because they had half-naked girls on TV. So I was introduced to women in such a negative way now that I see that now. Right. Um, but I, I didn't know. I thought that was okay. It's what was on TV. It's what was shown to me. And I, my parents never really thought about it twice, you I, know, because I, nobody did. Right. And I, and I still think today that um, it's, you know, to a lot of people, it's just that's part of growing up. Correct. It's part of the uh, the teenage angst and – um, you know, um, well, I think it's much more accepted now, the whole sex thing. Mm-hmm. Um, a society is a, a very sexualized uh, society. Everything's predicated on sex. Everything's right. sold on sex. Right. Right. Everything. Um, 
And I think when I'm going up, I'm 51. I wish I could remember way back to 30. So. <laughs> but, it's uh, not all it's cracked up to be. Let me tell you something, buddy. It's uh, not. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a different time, you know, with the girls. And I, I'm not knocking the ladies or anything like that, but um, I just remember you had to work. You had to work harder when it came to the ladies. They were, um, and again, I don't want anybody to go, oh, what, ladies, you don't have to earn No, they have problems too, and I'll get to that later on in the show. You know, it's just as bad for them as it is for us. Well, I I know because I've I've read a lot into this, uh, into the the porn and and, uh, Mm -hmm. the sex and so, but all right, so you're watching the videos and everything. So I'm watching the videos and. you know, obviously being a 13-year-old boy, you know, uh, my sexual curiosity ended up, you know, sparking itself. And, and you know, I would find my way to magazines and DVDs or VHSs, I guess, yeah. at the time. VHSs. And, <laughs> and, uh, and, and that's where it came to be. So I had an unhealthy um, introduction to the opposite sex at a very early age. And, um, and it only grew from there. And as I got older, um, obviously technology became, you know, uh, a bigger device to be able to watch it. And, and next thing you know, this thing right here, well, yeah, you can literally do anything you want on this with the exception of get cash from it. What you is know? that? Is that a Galaxy S9? That is, man, all day. Android, baby. I don't know if you can see me, but I got the same thing. I like you, man. Besides <laughs> you being a Patriots fan, I like you a lot. We won! <laughs> so, so um, yeah, and, and so how was it, like, dating and, and stuff for you? Like, uh... Well, in, so so for me, um, you know, I, I I had a girlfriend in high – I had a couple of real long-term girlfriends in high school. Looking back on it now, I did so many other flirting with women outside of the relationship and then – by the time I moved to Baltimore after my senior year of high school, I was living by myself. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it was, it was, you know, going to school and partying and, and that was it. Yeah. And then uh, I'm 30 now. So I met my wife when I was 20. Wow. Okay. And, uh, you know, the beginning of that relationship was great um, because I, I think at that point I still had I definitely had an unhealthy relationship with porn. Right. I mean, I would watch porn. Uh, once at the beginning, probably once every couple of days. And by the end of it, which was about 22 months ago, uh, or, you know, 20 months ago, I mean, I, I watched porn a couple of times a day, every day, seven days a week. Do you you think that's, uh, do you think that's kind of common? I think it's, oh, it's very common. Um, there's a really good documentary that's on, um, Amazon and it's, it's called, um, uh, porn addiction the cardboard butterfly um, theory. Cardboard and, butterfly theory. All right. So the cardboard butterfly theory is is a is a, it's a science. Um, it's a theory that was tested. And what they did was is they had this box full of butterflies, and there were male and female butterflies. And what they would notice is is that the male butterflies were more attracted to a female butterfly based on two things: the size of the female butterfly and how pretty the wings were, Mm. okay? So whatever scientist decided to do this, he said, well, let me make a cardboard butterfly that's twice as big than the biggest female butterfly I have and a lot more prettier. And what they would notice is is every single male butterfly would go to the cardboard butterfly and ignore the female butterflies altogether. (laughs) And, and and I'm telling you, that's a real thing. And, and, I and believe there it, are, yeah. There are plenty of marriages, you know, whether, you know, uh, you're, you're, you're straight or gay, it doesn't matter, that porn affects the relationship and they ignore their spouse or their significant other. And, and it's, it's something that is, it needs to be talked about more. And and we need to figure out a way to educate younger people about it because the average age of somebody looking at porn in 2019 in the United States is eight years old. Eight years old? Eight years old is wow. the average age somebody looks at porn for the first time. Wow. I didn't know that. That's young. <laughs> That's sad. But it makes sense because you can access anything on your phones. Exactly. And, so. and there's... And there's not a lot of uh, – there are programs out there to do filters and stuff, but right. 
if you want to look at something bad enough, you can find a way to watch it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I when it comes to uh, parenting, obviously, probably not not my era. I mean, obviously, I have the phone and everything, but I don't have a clue around that phone. Um, and so if you had kids, I'm sure, like you said, they'll find a way. There's all a, kinds of apps. I have a three-year-old and about to be a five-year-old next week, and uh, it, it really scares me to know this is how easy it is in 2019, let alone 2023 or 24 when my son starts becoming of age. But, you know, it's something that was never talked about with me. Right. You know, sex education, when you go to a school to learn about sex education, you learn about, you know, sexual reproduction and, and all that. Right. It's not taught. They don't talk about this. They don't talk about what everybody sees. Right. You know, and uh, the intimacy level is a very important thing that I never knew about till the last 18 months since I went to rehab and, um, you know, started learning about this and, and men's purity group and celebrate recovery and, uh, going to therapy and marriage counseling and just doing a lot of research on it. And, um, <clears throat> are you familiar with fight the new drug? I am not. Okay. So, um, that's a, um, that is a group. They have a website, fight the new drug. And uh, it's it's porn kills love. Okay. And um, they they they've been up and rolling now for a couple of years, um, and um, they have like a, a same thing, a whole movement going. Um, and they talk about how the the uh, or they're trying to educate a lot of the younger people and um, on how that pornography and getting into pornography can just destroys relationships, which it falls does. right into line with what you were saying. Uh, it's not realistic, um, you know, kind of like the cardboard butterfly. Though I do have to say, I think that is, there's some humor in there myself. That's just kind of yeah. how male butterflies going towards the biggest cardboard, prettiest it is it's like males it's well so so here's here's something you know that is in my opinion it's common it's probably common sense but a lot of people don't think about it people watch porn for many many reasons right but most people will tend to look at a specific type of porn okay and based on that that's what they learn or uh, and it's subconsciously that's what they think that they're into so when I'm married to my significant other, but I am watching something that in reality is not real, right. okay, I'm expecting this in my bedroom with my significant other, right. but I'm not getting that. Right. So I'm not, it's a lot easier for me to deal with five minutes of looking at porn and getting what I want than having to wine and dine my wife and, yeah. and do all this. And, 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 and on top of that, you know, your significant other has her own thoughts and, and opinions and right. and wants certain things done a certain way. And it's a lot more work. And I just, I became, it was, it ended up just being a secondhand thing because I, I, I started watching porn so much that, you know, it, it just ruined the relationship so that I had with my So wife. as far as the addiction goes, so it becomes almost like a routine and a habit. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it gets, it must get to the point where you can't, you just can't stop. Correct. No, not at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it became a thing where I would wait till my wife goes to sleep at night and I would go into another room or hell. I mean, even those last couple months, I would probably be laying right next to her watching right. it without the sound. And um, I, I, it was what I found out in recovery is that so many people have gone through the same exact right. thing that I was going through where I thought I was alone. And I thought that I was the biggest scumbag in the world. And, um, you know, it ended up it ended up turning out to be more. So porn ends up not being enough. That's right. another thing, too. Okay. Yeah, now, you not get every... to a certain level. You get to a certain level. And now you kind of have to up the ante a little bit, correct? Correct. So the upping the ante for me and my story ended up being Craigslist and Backpage and okay. trying to find relationships outside the marriage through I... through money. Hold that. Sorry. So hold that thought for a second. So because uh, I, I just kind of want to uh, follow the trail. Um, okay. So it started, you know, when you were a teenager, like most of us, through maybe a magazine or, you know, a DVD, VHS tape. And then, you know, now you get to access to the Internet and you're watching it. You're watching it daily. 
Um, and now, you know, you're, you're, you got to up it a little bit. You got the thrill is no longer kind of there. So now you've kind of moved on to Craig's Craigslist and in the back page. Okay. Correct. So, all right, good. So let's go from there, Steve. All right. So, you know, back page and Craigslist, uh, and, and actually back page, I think is off the internet now. Thank God. Number yeah. one, but the other thing I think it is, and then Craigslist started, stop doing personal ads if I'm correct. But, uh, as of 18 months ago, they were still up and running. Right. And, um, you know, it was for me. It was a lot. Uh, it wasn't enough to watch porn anymore. I I needed something more, mm-hmm. um, and and trying to find what I was looking at in the porn videos. And at that point, you know, my relationship with my wife was was non-existent. It was you know we were not talking to each other, and when we were talking, it was arguing. And uh, you know, I'm not trying to make an excuse for cheating on my wife or doing anything, but it was the reality of the situation. Right. And I ended up stepping out of my marriage multiple times. Um, and, and lucky for me, I never, you know, got anything. I never, um, got arrested for it, but my, 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 my conscious was eaten away at me. I would be at night telling my wife, I'm going out to Uber drive, uh, drive Uber. And, you know, I would go out and do that. And then I'd go to a casino cause gambling was another one of my yep. addictions. Yep. And I would lose all this money. And at 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd be in front of my house just crying my eyes out because I hated the person that I had become. I just hated it. How did you feel? Like, can you talk about your feelings a little bit? So, like, so you you, you go in, now you're um, you're meeting up with um, women and you're you're having sex and stuff. And so Mm -hmm. you're getting that instant gratification. Correct. What follows that? Like, what are you feeling? You're feeling guilt? You're feeling shame? Oh, I I think that... uh, I don't want to speak for anybody who's ever cheated on their wife or their significant other or their husband for one way or another. I know that for me, the biggest thing was I was looking at something on, you know, and porn and I wasn't getting in my marriage. So I was going out and looking for it in other places. So, you know, I felt like crap anyway because my wife and I weren't getting along and I didn't have the relationship that I had always dreamed about having in the beginning. And then I would go out and do these things, and I would even feel worse, not only lying to my wife, but the things that I was doing did not represent the morals that I held in my heart right? Uh, and in my beliefs. So, you know, I'm a man of faith, and, and I broke, you know, many, many sins, and, you know, it, it was tough. It was so tough on me those last few months, and, you know, I didn't think about killing myself, but... You know, the the suicide, you know, just being at that level. Yeah. And I was there, you know. And so um, how did the um, the gambling um, start? Well, gambling started the same way. You know, I uh, I love sports, as you know. Yep. Uh, we've yep. talked about that. Yes. I'm, a, I'm a big Miami Dolphins fan and big Baltimore Orioles fan. I root for two of the worst teams in their <laughs> respective sports. That's right. So what do I do to try to make me feel better? I, you know, gamble. I'll put something on a game. But my nickname in high school and middle school was Sports Center. <laughs> I would walk into the lunchroom and everybody would go da 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 da, and and, and so, so well, go well, ahead. No, no. Uh, would um, so you'd walk in and uh, so were you doing a little bit of gambling in? Uh, high oh, school? I would bet. I would bet lunch money. I would bet snacks. I'd bet an extra burger or an extra pizza yeah. or any of this stuff. And I was doing that from such a young age. And then fantasy football was big when I was 14 years old. So I've been doing fantasy football since I was 14. And that wasn't even for money in the beginning, you know? Yeah. And now they're, um, um, they just, they've, they've, they're streamlining it. They're, you know, you. It's It's all legal now. It's it's all legal legal and promoted. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's all legal and promoted. One of our uh, one of our podcasts, um, um, a gentleman came on and he was talking about gambling, and um, can, so how did gambling affect you? Like, um, yeah, did so, that also so, affect your relationship? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Gambling affected me in so many different ways. So, um, do you know who Dave Ramsey is? Yes, Dave Ramsey. Yep. All right. So, by the way, if you want to get out of debt and you want to work, be on a budget, look up Dave Ramsey. The man is a genius. He's amazing. And um, the top two reasons that marriages uh, fail, okay, are um, 
money and sex. Right. So my wife and I, um, about six or seven years ago, started. Uh, we did Dave Ramsey's class, which was a six-week course. And um, what we ended up doing was, is, uh, or a seven-week course, and we did one night a week. And we learned how to get out of debt by working on a budget. And at that point, we probably had about $80,000 of debt that was credit cards, uh, student loans, just everyday stuff. Yeah. Okay. So now we're starting to work on that. In the meantime, okay, uh, probably about three years ago, I started getting credit cards in my name only and sent to my job where my wife wouldn't know. So she had no idea. She had no idea. So I'm creating more debt on the side while we're getting out of debt that she thinks. Why were you get? Why were you uh, getting those credit cards? All right. So I needed to. Uh, uh, gambling became. Uh, we started getting casinos here in Maryland about four or five years ago. Yep. And I was only ever doing. I had a bookie, and I was only doing a little bit of sports betting, and um, and and I would drive up to Delaware to go to a casino to play blackjack. And I, I had about, probably about six years ago, seven years ago, I had about a, a year streak that I was heavy into gambling. Yeah. And then I had a real bad February and then March Madness where I got into the hole really bad. My wife helped me out and I stopped gambling for a year as far as going to the casino when a bookie's concerned. But I still did fantasy sports. Right. Um, but to, to answer your original question, how did it affect my relationships and everything? On Sundays, as far as fantasy sports are concerned, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m., I don't want to be bothered. I'm looking at my fantasy lineups. I'm seeing who's starting, who's hurt, who's not starting, and and I'm and I'm working on my lineup. And if and anybody bothers me, my kids or my wife, I, I don't want to be bothered. Right. So for 12 to 15 hours every Sunday during football season, I was not present with my family in any way, shape, and form. Yep. And, um, you know, another thing that came along with that was, um, you know, I started to, uh, you know, go back into sports gambling and I started to go into the casino more. And, uh, you know, it just it became that I didn't have enough money because my direct deposit would go into my wife's account anyway. So I had to get money from other places and I couldn't necessarily work overtime because the money would still go into her account. So I had to uh, she didn't already trust me at this point. with right. money. Right. You know, so um, I started just getting credit cards and doing cash advances at the casino. And how, you know, much, how much did you rack up? Um, well, I, let me preface. I will answer the question. Yeah. I will. I do want to say this to anybody who's gambling. It, it doesn't matter the number. Yeah. Um, there's people that lost their last twenty five dollars and it hurts just as bad as somebody who lost a million dollars. And honest, so, Steve, you don't have to answer the question. Um, don't worry about that. Like, I'm just curious. You know, um, Let, thousands and thousands. Of yeah, dollars. it was a Let's lot. It was a lot. It was a lot. Yeah. And, and um, you know, it, it, it I'll tell you a quick little story. The very first night I ever went gambling at a casino, I walked in with two hundred and fifty dollars. Yep. Stayed there for about six hours. I played blackjack and I won thirty five hundred dollars in a span yep. of six hours. First night I ever gambled at a casino as I'm walking out of the casino to go cash out. I have a purple $500 chip that I place on black at the roulette table, and it hits. So I walk out with $4,000 <laughs> yeah. the very first time I ever gambled. Yeah. Couldn't have ever been the worst thing that ever happened to me. <laughs> it was the worst thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. The very last night I ever gambled at a casino, which was about a week and a half, a week before I went to rehab, I, uh, I had $250, yep. and I said I wasn't going to get anything else out. And I sat there for literally uh, about 45 minutes and proceeded to lose over $5,000 in about 45 minutes. Wow. Wow. At the roulette table. And, um, you know, it just it, – and, and, and that to me was an out-of-body experience because I'm looking at myself from the outside. Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. You know, what are you doing? You know, and I couldn't get up and walk away. And that's something I want to tell people because the number one thing that I've gotten in this whole ordeal, and I've had a lot of support, um, is a lot of people like, well, why couldn't you just get up and walk away? Or why couldn't you just stop watching porn? What I learned is that somebody who does drugs, uh, whether it's opioids or heroin or whatever, 
or somebody who drinks alcohol, if you did a brain scan of them in active addiction, their brains would look the same. It is the same thing for somebody that is actively watching porn in the yeah. moment or somebody that is actively gambling. Right. Their brains are the same. The dopamine that is in the head does the same exact thing. It right. is the same addiction. Right. No, and, and you know what? We've talked about that here on uh, Rock Bottom to Recovery. Um, the brain reacts the same way no matter no matter what it is. See, obviously, you're getting different levels of dopamine, obviously, with an opiate. Correct. Uh, but it still works the same way. It still creates. Correct. It's what they call a reward pathway. Um, and, and And the habits and the routines uh, are now being created. Um, how did, like, can you just, I, I can only imagine, like, what, as you're losing this money, you just must have been sinking deeper and deeper. Well, into... as I'm losing money, what do I want to do? I want to feel better. So what do I do? I watch porn. Yeah. Now I feel guilty that I watch porn. So what do I do? I go out and cheat on my wife. And then I feel guilty about that. So what do I do? Well, then I'll eat a whole pizza by myself. Yeah. I'm a pretty big guy. Yeah. So that was another thing. I always, Food always made me feel better. So food was a, was a, was a way for me to feel better. Uh, it comforted me. In the moment. And, in the moment. hundred uh, percent. Yeah. And, um, you know, and, and that's something that I'm still dealing with now. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's, it, it was the toughest thing in the world dealing with all of those cross addictions at the same time. And that last year and a half, those two years, those were the worst moments of my life. Those were, uh, I, and and I felt alone. I didn't feel like anybody could understand what I was going through. I didn't think that anybody knew what I was going through. And boy, was I wrong about that in yeah. recovery. And but when you're in active addiction, all you can think about is yourself. Right. And and you think that you know the world revolves around you, and that nobody can understand what you're going through. And that's what it was for those last two years of active addiction for me. So when um, so now you um, did you go in to get uh, help for the the porn and the sex addiction or the gambling I, I, or was I, I everything went, at once? So there so um, so again so porn and gambling is not considered to a lot of institutions across America as an addiction. Right. Uh, gambling just got supported as an addiction medically. Uh, over the last year and a half, two years. Yeah. And porn is just now starting to be introduced on uh, a platform for um, uh, Congress that, you know, it's it's something that needs to be talked about and addressed with our youth. So with that being said, there was only two places that I found that that handled gambling addiction in America. One was in Northern Virginia and one was in Seattle, Washington. And I ended up going to the one in Northern Virginia, and I did 23, 24 days there. And um, it was the best thing that ever could have happened to me. I hit the reset button. Uh, why I was there, I confessed my wife everything that had happened, why I was there. Um, you know, and, and, and I made a decision there that I no longer, no matter what the consequences were, I no longer wanted to live uh, a lie because... And those last two years, lying was another problem for me. I yeah. would tell you that the sky is orange when I know goodness well the sky is blue. Yeah. And I yeah. would lie just to lie, you know? So um, how'd, your wife, how'd your wife deal with it when, she, when you confessed everything? That's so, pretty hard. It, yeah, so uh, obviously being in the, um, the rooms that I've been in in recovery as far as men's purity is concerned and, and other rooms like Gamblers Anonymous and everything, I've heard – Stories of wives or husbands leaving their significant others, and and I was really scared that my wife was going to leave me, and she had every right to leave me. Right. And there's plenty of people that told her you need to leave him. Um, but my wife is a is a child of God. Yeah. And uh, when I came home, we I literally didn't even get my bags out the car. We sat down. We had about a two hour talk. But the short and just of it was something within me and it was god telling me this and this is my wife talking told me to forgive you but i will not forget and i'm going to help you fight this battle no. if you're really serious about it which you've showed me you are by going to rehab on your own merit right and wanting to fix this yourself so um 
you know, it, it, it started out really, really hard those first few months. Uh, it consisted of uh, individual therapy every week, uh, marriage counseling every week. Um, it consisted of going to four uh, Gamblers Anonymous meetings. It consisted of going to uh, Celebrate Recovery meeting that was local in my area. I mean, there was literally like one night a week that I just wasn't doing anything, and the other six nights I was doing something. And, you know, in that time frame, my wife and I rekindled our relationship. And my wife is also a counselor, too. She's a licensed therapist. So fortunately for me, she understands addiction. Right. So I got really blessed and lucky. Uh, because I know a lot of people did not get that opportunity with their significant others. Right. Um, but, you know, it, my wife will never 100% trust me ever again, and, yeah. and I don't, you know, blame her. Um, my direct deposit goes into my wife's account. I don't, you know, when I need money, I ask her for it, and it's only the amount that I need and everything else she sees. Yep. Um, you know, and I'm okay with that. You know, whatever I got to do, and it's not even submitting down to my wife, it's just, I've learned that marriage is a two-way street, and it's a 50-50 you know, relationship. It's not one person doing more than the other. And don't get me wrong. I still have a lot to learn. I still don't like doing laundry, you know? <laughs> but but there's so much more to that in a marriage, and, and I had to relearn all that the last 18 months. And um, and it's it's been tough, and it's still tough sometimes, but I'm in the best place I've ever been in my life now. Uh, my wife and I are, in my opinion, are the best we've ever been in our 10 years together. Um, and, and I'm really blessed and lucky to be here telling this story because I truly feel that God wants me to, to share this story with people because right. I think this story resonates with a lot of people, uh, no matter what their addiction is. I think a lot, uh, there's a lot of people that deal with porn addiction and there's a lot of people that gamble more than they probably should. And, um, you know, or don't realize they're a compulsive gambler. And well, they won't. They won't realize it until it's too late. Too late. Until the damage is done. That's un right. unfortunately that's addiction. Yep. Um We we have to. Um, the the damage has to be done before we realize that um, that anything is wrong. And and I think like what I thought was really amazing is like again like alcohol. Even though you have an addictive personality. I would probably try to stay away from alcohol. <laughs> I, I, I do occasionally drink, but yeah. I do not. I don't have alcohol in the house for me, except for maybe uh, a small bottle of uh, a vodka that I'll have when my, my friends come over. But yeah. I, I don't have friends come over anymore either. I got rid, <laughs> I got rid of my so-called friends, too. I had yeah. to redo everything. I had to get rid of people. And you're right. You know, uh, addiction has been in my family. Um, you know, my, I had... I had uh, an absentee father that I never met, um, and and he and and my biological father who I never met, yeah. and he was an alcoholic. Um, my dad's family has dealt with alcoholism, um, you know, and and my wife's uh, my mother's side of the family's dealt with alcoholism. So, right. you know, it's something that is I think it's a genetic thing. Um, that's up for debate. People will say one thing or another. Um, I think it's genetic. That's just me personally, but I also think that there are plenty of people that never had the problems in their family and then their child or themselves have dealt with addiction. Right. So, you know, it's up to interpretation and debate. And so, um, you know, obviously you talk about God and God's kind of the center. So that's, um, you know, we've had a lot of people on when it, we talk about substance use disorder and all these other things. And, um, you know, a higher power is very, very important for them. Um, obviously, it's very important for you, correct? Uh, I uh, started going to church several years ago. My mother's Jewish. My dad was Catholic. Yeah. So I never went to church growing up. As a matter of fact, I grew up in the South, and I dated a lot of women of uh, the African-American descent. And so I went to a lot of black Southern Baptist churches when I was growing up. <laughs> They're pretty lively, uh, aren't they? And they are. Praising and so, Jesus. <laughs> exactly. So I never church was never a big thing for me. And it wasn't until I was about 20 years old, right before I met my wife, that I started going to church on a regular basis. And I asked for God to send me a wife. He ended up sending me my wife. And then I stopped going to church for another five or six years. Yeah. And then um, 
my wife is is black and I'm white, so we, we're in interracial marriage and um, we have interracial children. So we wanted to start going someplace that we could see everything, white, black, Asian, didn't matter. Yeah. So we found a church up here in Maryland called Mountain Christian Church. Uh, it's an amazing fellowship there. And uh, that's where I go to celebrate recovery on Friday nights uh, at Mountain Christian Church in Maryland. And it saved my life. It didn't just save my marriage. It didn't just save, it saved my life. And, um, you know, I, I, I give it all to God because without him, you know, my wife never would have forgave me. Right. And, and I wouldn't be sitting here today talking to you. There's no way, there's no doubt in my mind. Right. Right. Well, Hey, let's praise Jesus then on that one. Yes. Amen. Amen. Um, and so, you know, obviously, you so you're in a lot of different recovery. Um, so w- what are some of the recovery things that you go to? Um, what was it? Uh, purity, men's purity? I do. So uh, Celebrate Recovery is a, is a Christian uh, or is a God-based 12-step program. Okay. That's for everything. So if you uh, deal with any sort of depression or anxiety or eating or uh, men's purity mm-hmm. or uh, uh, drugs or alcohol – you can go to this place. And uh, in your area, I'm sure that your local church probably does it, uh, or a local church probably does it. And, um, you know, I go there. I also do Gamblers Anonymous. Um, and uh, I, I've, I've been to other meetings as well, um, the AA, just to do a 12-step meeting when I need one because there's not a lot of GA meetings here, and um, or in general for that matter. And... Um, I tried Overeaters Anonymous and yeah. Sexual Addiction, and those things um, for me just weren't for me because I was getting everything I needed from GEA and Celebrate Recovery. And so those things have worked for me, and I'm working the 12 steps now. I have a sponsor, and uh, it's the best thing that ever could have happened to me. That's excellent. What, uh, what step are you on? I, I'm honestly only on step two. I just started doing the steps recently. Um you know, it, it's something that for me, I wanted to get into a real comfortable place in my marriage and, and myself because I knew the steps were going to be hard work. Yeah. So I'm still working on it. And, and you know, and, and um, I'm just, um, um, I'm, while you're talking, I'm just texting uh, a friend of mine because I know that there's a recovery program that started locally at one of the churches. And I just wanted to know maybe if that would celebrate recovery. Um, because um, I, uh, it's fairly new, so okay. Um, but again, you know, obviously, like AA, NA, they all twelve-step programs, mm-hmm. spiritually based. Is celebrate recovery? It's a God-based, like they actually. It's say it's, God. it's a twelve. It's a yep. It, they say God in it. Um, it's it, they do the twelve steps and they have their biblical references for them. Um, you know, it, it, it's funny when I go to a meeting outside of celebrate recovery. The word God can be uh, a very funny or touchy subject yeah. uh, for a lot of people, um, and that's fine. You know, I, I, I don't care what your religious preference is. If you believe in something and it's making you a better person, me personally, I just want you to be a good person. Right. Um, and so, you know, whatever works for you. But if you are a believer of Jesus Christ, then I think that <laughs> celebrate recovery is the best thing you could ever do right? Uh, because the higher power is so important in the 12 steps of recovery to be able to surrender whatever it is your addiction is to a higher power. Right. Is is an amazing thing. It's a freeing thing. It's a freeing thing. And I think as society, um, we, um, you know, surrendering, I mean, I'm a Marine. We don't surrender. It's a sign of weakness. Correct. But, uh, and I'm sure you've already found this out, and I know other people have because we've talked about this in the in the podcast. Is surrendering is freeing, and it's yes. nowhere and even it's it's not like it's almost some. I remember kind of it being somewhat scary um, leading up to it, and then after I kind of surrendered it all over, I was like, "Wow, that wasn't scary at all." As a matter of fact, that was awesome. And um, you know, do you have the same experience? A hundred percent. I yeah. mean, for me. Having to, uh, sorry, having to, um, having to tell my mom that I was addicted to porn and that I had cheated on my wife 
I had so much shame. That's another word that I, I do like to talk about when I talk to people is the word shame. I think it I think that society wants to black label people so quickly and put the shame on them, and they already have the shame on themselves to begin with. Right. That they're scared to talk about it. And that's why I am not scared to talk about anything that I've been through. And I want the world to know because I feel like the biggest part of my recovery was hearing other people's stories because it made me realize, oh, wow, somebody else is going through exactly right. what I'm going through. Right. So that's why I tell my story. But to, to, to keep on going to that same effect, you know, when, when I was able to tell, you know, my friends and family everything that I did, I was scared. I'm not going to sit here and lie and say I wasn't. I was scared I would, you know, be judged. But I had God with me throughout that whole process. Yeah. And and it was it was such a freeing fact to know that, hey, at the end of the day, there's only two people, three people that I really care about think about me. Yeah. The big guy upstairs. Yep. My wife. Yep. And at the end of the day, she was going to leave me or not. So even if she left me, I couldn't really worry about what she, what she wanted yeah. or needed. I had to worry about me, and that was the third. I had to worry about me. Because that's the other thing about recovery, too. Addiction, you're selfish. You're a selfish individual. All you think about yourself. But in recovery, you have to be that way to a certain extent, extent too, because you have to keep your addiction in front of you. Right. Because if you move it any which way, you know, it, it can be bad. Yeah, you and, and you know, and what I found in, in talking to uh, other people um, you know, self-care, 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 self-care. Um, and we tend to veer off track from time to time. And, and that's when, you know, you're really opening yourself up to relapse. So it's not, I don't think it's selfish at all to, um, to, to make yourself number one in your recovery, because I think when you're able to do that, um, then everything else begins to fall in line. Yep. I'm going out to dinner tonight with, with a good friend of mine, and I want to go to the movies tonight, and I try to go to the movies once or twice a month by myself yeah. just for me. And then I try to I make sure I have a date night once or twice a month with my wife. Yep. And on the weekends, I try to spend as much present time with my family that I can. It's really hard to do it with this. Yeah. Um, You know, I totally suggest that, you know, if you are – somebody who lives on your phone that um it's you turn your phone off if you can yeah and Wait, they're classing that as an addiction now too a hundred percent yeah a hundred percent so addiction. social media is so such a so when i originally stopped um when i got out of rehab uh i had instagram and instagram was a bad thing for somebody with porn addiction um because it can definitely get things sparking. So I got rid of my Instagram. It wasn't about until a month ago that I got back on Instagram and had to wipe away like all the friends list that I had in there and everything. But, you know, social media is an addiction by itself and it can perpetuate your other cross addictions too. <laughs> yeah, it can. And and, you know, especially with Facebook knowing everything that you search on the internet now, you know, when you know, you're you're getting uh, when I was getting you know uh, messages for or solicitations for you know meetsingles.com and all that kind of stuff yeah. when when I was doing it. You know, uh, Steve, talk about um, like you just mentioned your friends and and um, you know um, you're going out with a friend tonight and you actually said earlier in the podcast that you kind of had to leave um, you had to leave some friends behind because they just didn't get it. <coughs> I know uh, when I was getting um, sober myself, uh, there were friends that I hung out with all the time that just didn't get it. They didn't understand it. Can you talk about that a little bit and, and leaving your friends yeah. behind? Um, I think for me, um, I didn't know what a real friend was. Let's get that to the first part. I, I didn't know what a real fan was, and I tried too hard. Um, if you're a gambling addict, you've heard the term big shotism. Um and, and, and I had it, you know, when I went to the casino, I wanted the pit bosses to know me by my first name and I would, I'd buy everybody around of drinks, you know, uh, that were playing with me. And <clears throat> when I went to the bar with my gambling buddies or my friends that I did fantasy sports with, I would make sure that I'd, I'd buy a drink for everybody just to like me, just so that yeah. they would hang out with me. And I realized I didn't need to do that when I got into recovery and, and outlets like celebrate recovery, 
uh, I've met some individuals in there that are now more friends and best friends than I've ever had in my entire life. And, uh, you know, to, to, to walk away was not as hard as I thought it would be from other friendships uh, because it's not uh, it's something that I didn't want to do. I don't want to gamble anymore. I don't want to look at porn. I don't want to do these things. And, and so, you know, it hurt on some friendship levels to say, hey, man, look, you know, you still gamble. I can't, you know, you still do fantasy sports, and that's big for you. I, I just, I personally can't do it. There's some people who can, but, you know, it was a lot easier for me to walk away than other people, I think. Yeah, and, and I'm right there with you. I had to do the same thing, and and um, and I've always said I, I did kind of find out my core group of friends, um, the ones that, you know, actually, I, I well I know obviously they're a good core group of friends, but um, uh, but they were just thrilled to have somebody who could drive them around now that would gonna be sober. So yep. it, it was beneficial to both parties, and it really helped me um, quit drinking. So through um, through celebrate recovery, I've met two or three individuals um, that are my best friends in the world now. Yeah. And, and we, we go out to eat once a month. Um, we, you know, their families, we've all done double dates with our wives and everything because our wives can relate to our problems. And, um, and, and it's just been an amazing thing. And that, you know, 12-step programs are great yeah. for what they do in the recovery process. But you end up meeting some people that end up being some great assets and best friends for a lifetime. Right, right. And, you know, I mean, and honestly, like, what do they say? Like-minded people. Yeah, you know? 100%. Um, and they know where you're coming from. And I think to be able to speak honestly, uh, uh, that's huge. And, and that's something I think that we, we, we I don't know, we, we miss out on today, that human interaction. But more importantly, um uh, a human interaction that you can just speak freely and know that you're not going to be judged. Like I, I, I just came back from Arizona uh, last week and uh, I hadn't seen my uh, buddy from the Marine Corps in almost 30 years. Wow. Mikey, Mikey Sanchez. I got to give him a shout out. Um, and as soon as we met, he met, met up, it was like no time was lost. None, none. And I, and I just like, that's a, that's a true friend as far as I'm concerned. Um, and it was just awesome to see him. You know, I do want to point out, um, you know, we're talking about porn, and, and I think naturally people will gravitate um, or people will think this is a man problem, and it's not. As a matter of fact, no. it's actually becoming a woman problem. And I'll tell you this. So I do stand-up comedy, Steve. I don't know if okay. you know. My wife that. does too. Oh, she does? Yep. At like actually gets up on stage. She's doing a open mic competition next week, so ah, I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, tell her, yeah. Um, tell her to friend me. I will. When I will she definitely gets, do that. When she gets big, uh, we'll have her come out to Boston and perform. That's right. Uh, well, hey, look, we love Boston, man. We, we <laughs> did. I, I'll tell you a quick story, real quick. I uh, I went to Boston a few years back when the Orioles were in town. Yeah. My wife had never been to. I'd never been to Fenway. We'd never been to Fenway. She had never been to an extra inning game. That Friday night, we sat in the seats close on the first base side that were still the wooden seats. Oh, yeah. It went, <laughs> it went 13 innings. So in the freezing cold. So my wife never knew about extra innings or those wooden seats at Fenway. <laughs> she absolutely did not have a great time. That's awesome. <laughs> Sunday, we ended up going to a game. It was the 19-inning game that Chris Davis pitched in in the 19th <laughs> inning. And we ended up going to that night to see the Celtics and the Hawks uh, in a playoff game That's funny. Uh, in the same day. <laughs> so, so my only experience in Boston was a really great experience. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, and the wooden seats, that's funny. In the free, was 13 it? inches. <laughs> the, it so was Major League Baseball requires like 15 or 16 inches now yeah. in their seats. Yeah. But because they're still wooden from the original Fenway Park, they get grandfathered in. That's and they're right. only 13 inches apart. And I'm a big guy. Yeah. So they were not the most comfortable they seats. The, and and third, that's funny. That's funny. Well, we, uh, me and my boys, we went to uh, Cam, Camden Yards. Yeah, that, that, yeah Fenway South. That's excellent. what you Red Sox fans call them. We had such a great time there. We, we took a... A uh, trip over there with the uh, kids in the in the school, and it was just it was just a great time. So it'll be my ninth year being a season <laughs> ticket holder there. I wow. love I love Camden Yards. Um, and I do have to tell you, the Red Sox won that night. 
Uh, well, they win a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, t- I root for losing teams, man. I, what can I tell you? <laughs> yeah. I um. So, uh, the women. So, I yeah. I so, this- so uh, that was funny. I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt. <laughs> yeah. The cardboard butterfly effect that or uh, cardboard butterfly theory movie. Yeah. Stated that one and three people uh, out of every three people that are addicted to to porn. Yeah. One out of three are women. One out of three is women. And I'm gonna do you one better. Out of sixty-seven percent of people that watch porn at work, yeah, sixty-seven percent of the people are women. Really? Out of the hundred percent, yeah. Wow, that's that's a pretty high. That's number. crazy, yeah. right? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, and and um, I was talking to a comedian, and he had run into somebody that he hadn't um, that he hadn't. Um, uh, it was a woman that he hadn't seen in a while, and he just, you know, like said, "Hey, how are things going?" And she said, um, "Oh, you know, I'm exhausted." And he was like, "Why? What's up?" And she was like, "You know, I, I was watching porn all day." She said, I, "I think I have a problem." And that book I was telling you about that I had read—it's called *The Porn Myth*. Okay. The porn myth, I'll and. Put that uh, on. And it's uh, exposing the reality behind the fantasy of pornography, and it really okay. covers a lot. It's it's really an excellent book, um, and um, it, I'm trying just trying to see who it was written by, but um, it really gets down to the um, all that myths of it doesn't hurt you, it doesn't damage relationships, it's good, it actually helps relationships. You know all the all the excuses that we make. Yep. And then it breaks it down. And I'm telling you, it was just excellent and it was eye opening. And I've had this conversation with a lot of a lot of um guys. Um I, I can't say I really had that conversation with women, but uh I know when in the book, um it it profiled a one particular woman. Um, same thing, like a lot of us. It just was always there. Um and then she got married and once she got married she thought it was gonna be it, it would go by the wayside, and it didn't. As a matter of fact, she would have to go to the pornography, if I remember the story correctly, and kind of get herself all worked up to be with yep. her husband. And yep. so, um, and I think, like we were when we first started off, unfortunately, gambling, now it's, it's just like we just put up a big, big casino in Boston, um, mm-hmm. and now they're popping up all over the place. And it's Mar- just going to Maryland, Maryland just passed a law that... Uh... If you have an addiction to gambling, the state of Maryland has to offer free um, counseling for that. Really? So I think that's a great thing. Yeah, I think that's an amazing thing. Well, yeah, but you know uh, what, though, Stevie? That was probably because uh, – was it uh, – were they putting up casinos or something like oh, that? Oh, yeah. yeah. All over the place. Yeah. All over the place. So that's that, so, little, that's that little thing they throw in because – To justify it. To justify it. Correct. Correct. So, yeah. so, so let me kind of tell you where my mind is at right now. So, so uh, I have a lot of things going in the future, and and I'm still formulating uh, how I feel about everything. All right? right. So I can still have. I still drink. I never had an issue with drinking. Right. But I understand addiction. Right. Right. So, who am I to say somebody to not watch porn if it's something that does not affect them in a negative way? Right. Yep. I am not naive. Porn is a billion dollar business. Yes, Gambling is. is a billion dollar business. That is why it's getting legalized in all of these states. All right. So for me to think that I'm going to stop it or there's going to be a movement to stop it is outrageous. It's not going to happen. No, it isn't. But I will say this. Okay. There needs to be outlets there to help people fight these addictions. And I think, honestly, the best way to do that is for people like you and me to go to the pornography makers and say, hey, you know, I know you guys are making all this money. You guys need tax reductions too. Why don't you donate some of this money to help educate kids what porn is? Yeah. I, you know? I think that's, Stevie, I think that's a great idea. I just don't see it happening. In It'll, it, 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 it definitely won't happen yeah. in my lifetime. Right. But it needs to happen. Like, the... <sighs> There's there's so many or or, or or educate the parents for them to talk about it with their kids. Right. Well, because if the average age is eight years old to start looking at porn, something's got to get something's got to fix that. 
Well, normally it gets fixed usually when you're way, way in too deep, unfortunately. Yeah. Just like the opiate crisis. You know, I know, I know, like in our state, um, the attorney, um, uh, General uh, Mara Healy, Sue, okay. is suing um, the pharmaceutical company. Uh, actually, she's going directly after the family. And, um, you know, and I was thinking that that would be a great thing to, to all that money that they've made off of addiction kind of funnel some of that back in to help people and I think you're I think you're spot on with that um, I just think like with gambling and pornography and I'm sure there's people watching right now that they'll, they'll say the same thing they say about marijuana alcohol is much more dangerous this is much more dangerous don't focus on that that's nothing it's not no big deal but but it is and and again it's not like like you just said some people can can do that and it, they don't have a problem that's fine. I'm That's not, all well and, and good. I'm right there with you on that one. And I'm not here to stop it. Right. I, I, I'm not stupid. I'm not naive. I'm not here to stop it. I don't want to. I don't want to be the face that fights that. <laughs> yeah. But what I do want to do is educate people, yeah. and I would love to be the face that helps educate people on what is porn, why is it something that people watch in society, and how do we combat it if I have an addiction to it? Right. Okay. And the other thing, as far as gambling is concerned, it needs to be done the same way. Right. Why do people in society gamble at porn? So there needs to be more studies done. There's a million studies done on alcohol. Yeah. There's very few studies done on porn and gambling. Well, we I think need, they're there starting to, to pick porn. up now. I think they. Yeah. I think they are now. But uh, you know, this is why this is why this podcast um, was started was again to educate people to educate people in recovery. Um, and we don't – it's recovery on everything, which I thought was fantastic. That's why I was glad that you were coming on because, uh, because again, yeah, drugs and alcohol is not your thing. Pornography, gambling, food was. And you know what? And I think it's important for people to hear this in case um, they're struggling with it. And I, I'll tell you, even more important is what you, you said. You're not alone. There no. was a whole group of people out there right there with you. After, after I had my one year anniversary, I did, uh, you know, my share, my, my, my one year share at celebrate recovery and at celebrate recovery. There's not a lot of people that are there for porn or gambling addiction. And I had so many people come up to me afterwards saying, you know, I think I have a problem with gambling or, Hey, I think I have a problem with porn and I don't think I ever thought of it that way. But some of the things that you said, I do. Right. So it's not even people even subconsciously don't even realize that they have right. a problem with it. Right. Because it's not viewed as a problem. Correct. You know, yep. so this is why this is so great. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll wrap this up. So before we do, Steve, you're going to start your own podcast, correct? I got a lot of things going on in the well, works. Fo- well, um, focus on one thing and, and don't stretch yourself too thin, but... What, what, tell me, tell us about the podcast. What do you got going yeah, so, on there? So uh, I have a podcast starting up in the spring of this year. It's going to be called Everybody Has Something, um, entitled exactly what it is. It's it's actually very similar to your podcast to a certain extent, not even realizing it. But I'm, I want to uh, – uh, but my main focus is to find one individual every show, and I would really like to get celebrities involved in this, and I know some, so it's kind of good there that have a problem with some sort of addiction and for them to tell me their story and how they got out of it. And that's ultimately what I want. I would love high profile names that have, don't have any problems talking about their addiction. And, and that's what I want. And so that's what I'm kind of getting at because I think we put uh, celebrities up on a pedestal and we think that their lives are all great and everything. But a lot of them have the same problems that you and I have. And if people are more willing to talk about them, I think, we can start getting over this politically correct society that we live in now and and start focusing on how do we help people get better. The other thing that I'm also doing is public speaking. Um, if you want me to come anywhere in the country to talk about pornography or gambling, I would love to do that. Um, my social media is at Stephen, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, at Stephen D, S-K-P-L. S-K-P-L's spread kindness love or uh, spread kindness positivity and love so um, steve send that um send that like message me that and i'll put it in the description for yep. people to connect into and um 
I'm starting a movement called Spread Kindness. Spread so what kindness. I try to do, I, I, I try to share something on social media every day that is somebody doing something kind for somebody else. And uh, I think we need to start doing more of that as a society uh, and just people in general. We need to be kind to one another. Uh, and we need and, and I think that in return will show a lot of people that they're loved. And I think it will return, make a positive outlook in our society. So spread kindness is the gateway to all of that. Do you think we can get an addiction in kindness? I would love for there to be an addiction <laughs> in kindness. Yeah, I would totally good. love for that to happen. And I, and I hope that we can get there. Uh, and it's and it's I think it's going to be my life's work to start that movement and to get that movement going. Well, you know, um, it starts with you and ends with you every single day. And um, it's contagious. Um, kindness is contagious. A smile is contagious. That's right. Um, um, I'll quote. Uh, I think it's Brennan Brennan Manning from the Ragamuffin Gospel. And he says um, every single day. We have the opportunity to build people up and break them down. And we can do that with our words. And you can just do that with a simple smile. Um, and so there are no, actually says no negative encounters. And, and I honestly try to myself do that. I know I don't often do it, but I just don't want, um, uh, well, I'll quote Mother Teresa, never let anyone come to you and not leave a better person. And, uh, That's right. You know, and I try to do that every day. Um, I'm sure I fail, but that's all right. And, um, you know, that's why we're here. This is why we're, um, we're doing this. We want to educate people. And, again, if, if, if you disagree, that's all well and good. Um, yep. We just want to, people to know that, you know, people do suffer with this. And if you're one of them, there is help, and it's out there. And, um, you know, and I think, like, what you mentioned with Steve with the um, celebrities, I think they have it worse because it, that's a life of excess, Yep. So anything and everything that that um, could be addicting is coming at you even more, um, you know, because of the fame, the fortune. And so that's why I think if you just go and look at celebrities, their lives, their lives just it's not as easy as everybody. It's, it's, it's not in any way, shape and form. I worked in the sports uh, radio business for a, a long time. And, you know, a lot of those individuals uh have problems with some sort of addiction yeah and i just think i just think people want to put the good look on so bad but if people were authentic and showed really what they go through on a regular basis i think it could do more for their image than them lying and posting how great their life is on instagram yeah. or facebook or twitter and i think it could help their brand so much more by being authentic and uh, I just I I just want to see kindness in this world, man. I'm so I'm sick of seeing negativity. Yeah. I'm sick of seeing division, you know. And and I just want to see people be happy with each other and help each other. Well, we'll start here, brother. That's right, man. We will. <laughs> so, did you? I would uh, love to come on your show and talk again, man, and talk more about eating and and gambling next time. We talked a lot about the pornography, but. We did. Uh, and we, you know what? And we will. We actually will have you. Um, we'll definitely have you back on, especially once you get your um, get your podcast up and rolling. We'll talk more about that. That was awesome. I think it was great. Uh, I did. Um, are you familiar with um, Stevie D, the musician? Yes, I've yes. heard uh, people have forwarded him to me a few times. <laughs> That's a song from back in the day. Yes. Um, so. So Google that tonight. Treat yourself to a little kindness. Uh, what's it called? Spring love. That was a popular song back in the day. Stevie D. I actually think he might even be a local artist. I don't, I'm not sure, but uh, I was just looking. I'm like, Stevie D, Stevie D, and I was just thinking of that, so I figured <laughs> I'd do that with you. Um, all right, so we're going to wrap this up. Uh, Steve, thanks for coming on. I'm glad Thank that— Thank you for having me. I'm blessed that you thought of me to come on your show, and I'm really uh, appreciated that you took the time to hear my story. I don't take it for granted. Uh, nobody just wants to hear me. So the fact that you do, I really, really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, it, I'm glad you came on, Stephen. I'm even more glad that your wife uh, is right there to help you and support you because that's not always the outcome. But I think it speaks volumes of the relationship between you two and, uh, and between God. And I think my experience in talking to people that have gone through these, these really tough times in their relationship that if they stick together, um, a lot of times the relation comes out even stronger. Much more fruitful. Yes. Much more fruitful. So um, big kudos to your wife, and I hope she does well with the uh, 
with the stand-up comedy. Yes. And yep. uh, I'm going to uh, uh, keep me updated on that. I will. I will. And, yeah. and if you do anything, use the hashtag on all of your social media. Yeah. Use hashtag spread kindness. Hashtag. So if you're doing anything that's kind, do hashtag spread kindness. I want that to grow and be great and start a movement. You got it. You got it. Thanks, Steve. You have um, a safe night. And, uh, I love we'll you guys. You I really appreciate it. All yep. right, brother. All right, man. Take care. Bye-bye. Guys, this is uh, Bill Fell, Rock Bomb to Recover. This is episode 40 with Stephen D. Daniels from Baltimore uh, came on to talk about um, gambling, pornography, sex addiction, food addiction. We're going to have him back because there's so much more we could talk about. And, uh, you know, uh, as you know, if you watch or listen to this podcast, we are on iTunes and Podbean. And we actually go live from Facebook. So you can go to our Facebook page, Rock Bottom to Recovery, um, and check out past videos. Check out this video. Go back and watch it from from uh, beginning to end, and uh, hopefully you'll get something. We try to be extremely respectful of um, people in recovery and addiction. We do understand that uh, it's different for everybody, um, and all we want to do is we want to educate, and we want to spread kindness, hashtag spread kindness. Let's get that up and rolling um, and, and make a change. Um, if you're looking for resources, if you're looking for help, or if you're looking to connect in, I'm also part of the Hobart Cares Coalition that meets uh, the first Tuesday of every month up at um, the, the uh, town hall. You, they have a Facebook page. You can message them too. Um, there is a, a recovery program now that's running out of the Brookville Baptist Church. I don't have that information, but I will uh, actually put it on to the description of this podcast if you're interested. You can message me um, and just look me up on Facebook. Other than that, thank you guys for tuning in. We hope you had a good time. We hope you got educated. Uh, hashtag spread kindness. Have a great night. Bye-bye.